This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. CBB Chris Van Fleet. This is Liam O'Rourke, author of Crazy Like a Fox. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Episode 122 of Top Rope Nation is on the air. I am Ryan Drosty here with Kyle Ross, Justin Joint. Well, Justin will be with us here in a little bit. More on that in a second. But Kyle Ross, Kyle, welcome back to Top Rope Nation. We missed you last week. Tell us about this concert you went to. Uh, we saw Tool. It was great. Um, great experience. And uh, a lot of a lot of buddies were at this one. And yeah, it's a great time. But I'm back and better than ever. <laughs> did, you, did you get a theme song? Yeah. Did you get a chance to listen to our episode last week yet? Yes, I did. Derek, I thought, filled in admirably for you. Yes, he does. And I would like to take this opportunity, as I have already texted him this, but uh, I would—I told him I would be publicly acknowledging his deep dive from last week, which was a tremendous choice, Jerry Lawler and Austin Idol. Oh, yeah. I knew you would appreciate that. And by the way, just for anyone who really wants to deep dive on that feud, um, I know he had talked about, you know, just how easy it was to find on YouTube. There is... I think still, I mean, I haven't looked in a, in months, but um, a playlist of the entire feud that somebody has on their channel with all the angles and promos leading up to the match. It's excellent. Oh it's something God. I would recommend. Yeah. Um, other like the only other match I've seen that really got that kind of great treatment was the Slaughter Kernoodle versus Steamboat Youngblood match in Greensboro that kind of birthed the first Starcade. Nice. There's a Road to Greensboro playlist, too. So those are my two favorite playlists on YouTube. So I was very glad to hear Derek choose a, a great match for the deep dive, and I, I thank him for standing in. Yeah. And you guys did a great job last week. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, if if you find those two playlists, please send them my way, because that sounds excellent. <laughs> I would love to watch that. It's cool. You just fire it up, and they just go. It just yeah. fires up. Yeah, just... It's like it's like you you know the old days when you bought a tape off eBay and somebody just taped the whole feud for you and you can just oh, sit there the and watch compilation tapes. Yeah, those are like the only tapes I kept from my VHS collection. Pretty much, you know, I ditched all the rest, but all those comp tapes, I'm like, I'm not gonna find this online just like this, so I got to keep these. Same here. Yeah, great minds think alike. Mm-hmm. Justin Joint, 
He will be joining us, uh, but as we went on the air here tonight, it's Wednesday evening. Justin's computer is going through a series of updates, and we had to get started. So we're going to bring, bring Justin on when he is ready to go. He's going to be sending me a text. We'll bring him on. But uh, if you want to hear us each and every week, if you want to never miss an episode, whether it's all three of us, a couple of us, we bring Derek on, we got some other guests joining us in the weeks ahead and in weeks past. If you didn't check it out a couple weeks ago, we had my friend Okadrian from Twitch on as we talked the history of wrestling video games. Check that one on the archives. And the whole library on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, uh, TopRopeNation.com. Wherever podcasts are found, hit subscribe, leave us a rating. We would greatly appreciate it. And we're also on Patreon. You can find all the content at patreon.com slash Nation. We got some more bonus content, Top Rope Nation classics and extra coming at you real soon. You can only hear those podcasts over at Patreon. And uh, if you sign up, you get a free gift in the mail. Check out all those details, www.patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. So, Kyle, it's Wednesday night. Like I said, AW NXT, they just went off the air. I think it's time to get to the In the News segment. Hit yes. the music. All the latest wrestling news. Get behind the scenes inside a rental. At 1-900-909-9900. Calls cost the buck 49 per minute. Kids, get your parents' permission. But call right now. The big news, obviously, uh, Tuesday night, we're recording this Wednesday night, but uh, just under 24 hours ago, CM Punk, Kyle, made his return to WWE television on a show that, uh, I don't know, I didn't see the viewership this week. I'm not sure that it's out yet. Yeah, they did, it did 100K. 100K. Okay, 100K. Last week, it did about close to 50,000. Not a lot of eyeballs on this show. Uh, but uh, there was CM Punk returning to WWE television, although his contract reportedly only with Fox, so he could still say he hasn't returned technically to the WWE payroll. Uh, Kyle, what were your initial thoughts when you heard about this? Because I'm guessing you probably didn't see it live. No, I didn't. It was the first thing that I found out this morning. You know, brushed the old teeth, looked at the phone. Saw a bunch of people retweeted WWE on Fox's tweet. Swipe right on it. and Boy, was I in for surprise. Although, I guess it wasn't really that surprising. Um, we had talked about this a couple weeks ago, that it seemed like it was a done deal. Then um, anyone who read The Observer last week was led to believe that was not the case. Yeah. I don't know if you checked that out. Like, Dave made it seem like, no, you know, they're just kind of moved on mm-hmm. from Punk. It's not going to be him. And then, lo and behold, he shows up on FS1 like Mussolini, like Gandhi. I'm the cult of personality, <laughs> man. Um, the return itself, I thought, was done in the most WWE po- way possible. Explain. It felt so inauthentic even if it was a surprise to everyone except Renee Young. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, Renee counts out. She's like, here's a surprise. Cult of Personality plays. Uh, Paige, like, starts, like, you know, going, what, what? And, like, Adam Cole started playing air guitar, which I thought was odd. <laughs> uh, 
And, you know, then Paige has the, is this a rib? And it's like, I get you're trying to sell this as this shocking moment, but it was out there. And anyone who's watching that show, um, while it is kind of a big deal, probably wasn't, you know, completely blown away mm-hmm. by it. So very um, brief, he, very brief. Yeah, and, well, and, and even the way he came out, he came out like he was like coming out like in a WWE arena, like he paused and, you know, like looked and, um, but and I was very worried he was going to completely rip the Roddy Piper quote. And I was like, oh, punk, don't do that. Mm-hmm. But then he, you know, he subbed culture in for that. And I thought that was cute. And um, I'm interested to watch that show now. I'll say that. Yeah, absolutely. So he's not going to be on there every week, but uh, occasionally. Hey. Um, hey, the smart ones know not to overexpose themselves. That's what true. That's true. Um, WWE's YouTube channel does not have the video up. That might must be like a licensing issue with with Fox. I guess probably owning the footage. Um, they do have a video up from their their show, The Bump, about superstars reacting to CM Punk on backstage. It has about three hundred thirty one thousand views as they look right now. Um, but the tweet from the WWE on Fox Twitter account of Punk's return is up to 3.29 million views. So obviously a huge deal. Uh, I I heard about it also early this morning. My buddy Ryan Huffman, also a listener of the show, sent me a, a message on Snapchat overnight that I got when I woke up. And that's how I heard about it. So then uh, when I got to work this morning, I watched it real quick. Like I said, it was very brief, so it didn't take long to watch the segment. I thought it was kind of amusing how Punk kind of leaned into the darkness and almost ruined the segment that way. Because uh, you could barely see him when he talked to the camera with the modified Roddy Piper well, talk. But, uh, you know, though, like, I actually welcome that in the world of WWE. Because when things are so well produced, that I think plays into the inauthenticity of the product. That's true. I can see the, that. Yeah. There's a fine line to walk with WWE where they've got such production at their disposal that sometimes they overproduce the soul right out of the product Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it was cool though i i've mentioned my wife on the show before she's not a big wrestling fan but you know she actually did like cm punk quite a bit that was one of the uh wwe documentaries i got her to watch that she really liked so when i told her cm punk was back she was interested so i had to show her that um but i think it's cool opens up a world of possibilities now Right now, as we said, he's only going to be on WWE backstage. But you got to think this is going to open up the door to a possible return to the ring. And people always say never say never in wrestling. I don't know how you feel, Kyle, but I would be absolutely shocked if he's not in a WWE ring in the next year. What's your take on that? Year? I'm not going to say that. Eventually, yeah, probably. I mean, Bret Hart, for God's sake, came back. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm saying a year because can you imagine him like if he's on WWE backstage for a year and hasn't returned like that's a long time to drag it. I think the interest would start okay. to wane at that point. All right, l- let's let's break it down like this. Okay, there's two things you got to look at as far as him being on backstage. How critical is he going to be of a WWE product that is often bad? And, I, I think pretty critical. That's what I'm. Okay. That's what I'm looking for. I think he's okay. 
probably brought in to bring that honesty. Yeah. I mean, I would be very disappointed if he's just like, oh, Rusev deserves better than this or something. You yeah. know, I, I'm hoping for pointed criticism. Um, it's going to be interesting what that criticism is and what the WWE's response to it will be internally. Yeah. And who is he going to interact with potentially on that show? You know, that's something because, you know, people were bringing up, oh, my God, can you imagine if they have Punk and Corey Graves on the same set? Mm -hmm. After what Graves (laughs) said, uh, low those months ago. So I think that's the first thing to monitor is how pointed will his criticism be on the show? Who's it directed at? What's it directed at? Uh, Bottom line is I think a lot of people are going to watch. There's going to be a lot more than 100K people watching uh, next week. Uh, next Tuesday night at 11 p.m. on FS1, if I can give the show a plug. Now, as far as him returning to the ring, believe it or not, him coming back this way actually makes for a pretty, if he wants to, makes for a pretty seamless transition back to WWE proper. Mm Mm-hmm. So, okay, I think a lot of people, when they envision CM Punk coming back, it would be in front of a live audience, you know, on Raw or SmackDown. He would shit all over the product, you know, rip the McMahons, be this anti-authority deal, right? Yeah. He can still do that, but I, I really don't want, like, a CM Punk versus the McMahons feud on TV. Same. You know, I mean, we saw CM Punk and Triple H and had a lot of potential and Triple H killed it dead. That's your God, Full Sail University, by the way. Mm -hmm. So but with this backstage, it's like you could envision a scenario where he's being really critical of somebody. Right. And that person takes umbrage with it. Right. And it feels kind of real. And, you know, whomever the performer is that maybe he has, it's an escalating war of words. It leads to a natural return. Now, it's totally up to him whether he wants to do it. Um, I think if something intriguing enough comes along, he will. Yeah, this sounds very, he, very familiar to The Miz and Daniel Bryan. Yeah, of course, that got fucked up royally. But um, <laughs> you know, that was like the easiest thing in the world. Yes, they somehow yes. screwed that up. Uh, but, uh, you know, Daniel Bryan was a heel by the end of the feud, for Christ's sake. But, um, you know, I, I think it's it's ready-made if he wants to come back. You know, y- you want to be careful about not working, making it seem worked. Like, you want there to be, you know, you want his criticism, again, to be poignant, legitimate, and somebody to take umbrage with it. Mm-hmm. And it'd be one of those things where people are like, Ooh, like these guys, you know, seem pretty pissed. Yeah. You want people to buy the vitriol on both sides. Um, so we shall see. I don't know if it'll be within a year or what, but, um, yeah, of course I I see it happening eventually. We, uh, we saw Seth Rollins throughout the challenge right away. (laughs) <laughs> right now i gotta say i, I like I that one say. seth rollins has not been my favorite person on twitter of late but uh, i like that tweet well i'll tell you what one thing i'm looking forward to uh if anything else is cm punk ripping seth rollins on that backstage Ooh, now that would be juicy 
<laughs> I would be interested. He could. God, freaking Seth Rollins. Don't get me started. <laughs> I wish Justin was here by now to to fire back at you. By the way, those one. those fight me tweets that they that some of the guys and girls do are just so lame. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes like, it spikes it, some interest. That that spiked a whole lot of interest. Yeah, but, but then, like, but then, like, sometimes it just comes off as desperate. Like Bailey was doing it with like everybody for a while. Yeah, like let's fight or stuff. And then like Seth, it was just like I think somebody like subtweeted it, like uh, you know, talk about desperate for a quarter hour. How about this Seth Rollins? <laughs> well, if you guys want to see Seth Rollins take on CM Punk, fire up the award-winning WWE Network and load up. Uh, WWE Raw from December 30th, 2013. The two had a match then and there. So uh, you can see it there. Obviously, Seth Rollins has kind of taken his career to another level since then. But yeah, in the final weeks that Punk was in the company, they did did wrestle a match on Raw. That would be 2014, right? Uh, no, December December 2013. And then he oh, left December. It early I'm so sorry. Yeah, yes, December so 30th, sorry. 2013. Who am I to question you? <laughs> An educator. <laughs> yeah, and myself and Google, because that helped as well. Okay. okay. I, I, knew they, I knew they had wrestled. I remember watching the match, but I couldn't remember the date, so I had to look it up here quick. Yeah, December 30th, 2013. So... I mean that's that's one I would like to see, and you know it's it's interesting when you think about this return because, you know, what are his motivations? Is he coming back because this is an easy gig? Uh, Fox is going to give him some leeway to be critical of WWE, and it's like the best of both worlds for him. He can kind of get in some jabs and criticize the product while probably making a pretty hefty payday. Or did he come back because, like you said, Kyle, it's an easy segue into returning to the ring, and he wants to do that. Dare I say he wants to get a big payday in Saudi Arabia? Oh um, no, I don't. I don't know about that. <laughs> who who knows? I mean, the money is definitely there. You know, from WWE for him to to make a lot of money in a return if he wants to. Regardless of what you think about CM Punk, this is a guy who spiked so much interest in the product back in 2011, and. Uh, that match he had with John Cena at Money in the Bank, one of my favorite matches of the last decade, I would say. Um, and just, you know, the whole pipe bomb thing, everyone knows about that. I, I was kind of losing interest in wrestling around that time, and that really brought me back in. I got to credit CM Punk for that. So I, I'm interested to see if he actually does come back. Uh, I, th- I was someone that thought maybe AEW would have a shot at him because obviously Punk has been super critical of WWE. We had the lawsuit because of the WWE's uh, doctor and everything that Punk said on Colt Cabana's podcast, which obviously led to the end of their friendship, if you've been following the news. So there's been a lot of drama, and AEW reportedly did make Punk a big-time money offer to come their way, and he turned it down, so... Who knows? You know, does that mean he doesn't have any interest in wrestling? Because if he would have went to AEW, it would have been for wrestling, obviously. Yes. Um, so it's either he has no interest in wrestling or he saw even more dollars the WWE way. Time will tell. Any closing yeah. thoughts on that, Kyle? Yeah, look, I'm a huge CM Punk fan. I don't belabor the fact that he came back. It's his decision. And I know, you know, Meltzer would always talk about, oh, he saved well, unlike other wrestlers. Well, he's not that old of a guy. No. He needs to have some revenue coming and he mm-hmm. tried MMA. It was not good, to say the least. He needs to do something. Yeah, he's 41, and, and his wife is one of the more popular women's wrestlers the last decade. And so, I mean, they, maybe that opens the door for her, too. Yeah, so I, I don't belabor this decision at all. And, you know, short term, I'll watch backstage next week, which is not something I would have 
said otherwise had yeah. CM Punk not returned to this company. Smart decision all around, I think. And uh, yeah, definitely spiking some interest in that television show, which, as we mentioned, wasn't doing a whole lot of viewers. And I agree with you. I, I don't get this mindset that people should hold a grudge forever. And uh, Punk is one of the biggest stars of the last decade. And if he wants to come back, I think there's a lot of people that want to see it, myself included. So um, let's transition to the Wednesday Night Wars. So as we record this... Yeah, the show's just ended just under an hour ago. And uh, so I'd, I only saw AEW tonight, Kyle, because I was actually covering the show for comicbook.com. I don't usually cover NXT or AEW on Wednesday nights, but as luck would yeah, have it. Yeah, I was it, wondering that. Yeah. Actually. I was like, this is funny. Does this always happen? I was thinking, I was like, I don't think this happens. <laughs> yeah, when you guys, when we were that. talking earlier about doing the pod, I'm like, well, I can do it, but I'm, I'm writing tonight too. The reason for that is because AEW I'm sorry. In... What a dick I am. <laughs> the reason the reason we did it is, or the reason I did it, the reason I was writing is because AEW was in Nashville tonight, which is the headquarters of comicbook.com. So a lot of the office was in attendance at the show, including our usual writer, Connor Casey, who covers AEW Dynamite. So I stepped in, came off the bench on Wednesday night to cover the show while those guys had a good time at it live. And uh, so I only saw AEW. I I didn't actually watch. I try to watch them like dual screen. I think you do that too, Kyle. But uh, since I was writing AEW, I pretty much had to give that full attention i kind of saw what was going on in nxt via twitter and uh my initial impression i'm still gonna go through and watch nxt actually i have it on in the background right now my initial impression is probably nxt won this week um where are you at on that right now kyle i don't know how much you saw of AEW. i watched them both uh and it certainly seemed like nxt was heading for a big win um they started really strong with the leo rush Angel Garza cruiserweight title match. What a match. I am a big Angel Garza fan. I've said this on the show before, and I'd like to reiterate it right now on November 13th, 2019 at 10.53 Eastern Standard Time. (laughs) This guy is a tremendous wrestler. That did seem like an awesome match. I just had that one going in the background. I think he has the potential to be a great babyface or a great heel. Um. Just a tremendous rush. Leo Rush is really good, although when I watch Leo, I can't help but think he's miscast in his baby face role. I know it's what he wants to do, but I'm going to let you in on a little secret, Ryan Droste. I kind of thought he was better at managing Lashley. Oh, no. I thought, like, we're just as a chicken shit heel. Yeah, I agree. I like him as a heel better. Like, like I'm sitting there, like, I'm not saying he can't work, but... You know, when I watch him, I just keep thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, I kind of liked him better as a heel. Yeah, I would concur. <laughs> but but anyway, that was a great match, uh, match the night. Uh, as per usual, NXT had the better wrestling. But I'll say this, between Survivor Series and War Games, it just seemed like there was almost too much going on with NXT at one point. And it just seems like there's a lot of people angling to be a part a lot of a lot of teams on WWE shows mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks. And it, it um, I thought by the end of the night, AEW had full pulled fairly evenly. Um, I thought it was a little bit more focused. Um, 
and, and just wasn't as bloated, quite frankly. Uh, the MJF Chris Jericho segment, my goodness gracious, was absolutely tremendous. That was a highlight by far. Yeah, and I, and I thought it was the highlight of the night between the two shows. Um, full disclosure, we're going to talk a lot about AEW full gear tonight in our topic of the week. At least the main event. Stay tuned for that, folks. But I was ready to come on here tonight and pose the question, do we think they turned MJF too early on Cody? I think there was a pretty strong argument that they might have. But watching the show tonight, I don't think that's an issue. Mm -hmm. Because the crowd, it, it it was the kind of heel heat that a promotion wants. It wasn't the, you know, Baron Corbin getting the boring or you suck and, you know, people passing that off as great heel heat. This was people that, you know, this was a guy out in front of an audience, you know, who want, who disliked him, wanted to boo him, came through the television, uh, was just an absolute home run of a segment. Chris Jericho too. We got that Juventud Guerrero reference. That was very hilarious. You know, right after that hit, um, my editor shot me a message and he said, we need a who is Juventud Guerrero article right away (laughs) because people are going to be Googling that. So I put up something really quick. So poor Hoovy. He always gets referenced randomly. Didn't The Rock the night Jericho debuted in WWF? Didn't Rock make a Hoovy reference at him? Like he's yes, like he you did. think you're yeah like, I forgot like, about that he's like you think you're something special because you beat up Juventud Guerrera yeah he said he said something oh man I can't remember I'm to watch this back now I'll throw what in the is... audio on the podcast here if I can pull it up but that I think that's right yeah I, I think so here. <laughs> yeah I feel Hoovy's always the go to cruiserweight reference from <laughs> like the obscure cruiserweight reference uh, was, from yeah. Nitro yeah I thought it was funny that he mentioned like. His parents, MJF's parents, conceived him after watching a, a match with Jericho and Juventud on WCW Saturday night. Like, what about the Super Brawl match, man? Now, that was a damn good match. Hair versus mask. I think it was Super Brawl 8. <laughs> it was. I, I, I enjoyed when, <laughs> during the unmasking, Jericho, like, warned all the fans that they might vomit on themselves because he heard Hoovy's really ugly. Yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite Chris Jericho period. I don't give a damn what anybody says. That was a Chris Jericho was a real internet darling. Yeah, he was. Absolutely. Okay, so yeah, um, like I said, I didn't see any of NXT other than what I've been playing in the background here, so I'll go back and watch it. But I thought oh. I thought AEW started slow, but the second hour was very good. Um, kind of starting with the with the Jericho MJF thing. But the first four matches, like three of them were squash matches. And so I thought Moxley's promo at the beginning was good after he beat Michael Nakazawa, but that was like a nothing match. Uh, It kind of reminded me of NXT in weeks two and three. We broke that down on the podcast, how like week one, we all thought NXT probably had the better better technical show, although AEW might have been a little more exciting. But NXT basically threw out a takeover that first week. And then it seemed like they cooled down. I mean, Kyle, we were throwing the references out in our text thread that it seemed like Paul was thrown in the towel. It was just like squash match after squash match. And that's kind of what AEW did this first hour. Because you had that. You had uh, the Dark Order and Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. I mean, that was that was competitive. 
But then you went to. But it's the dark order. Yeah, it's 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 the dark order. So it felt like a squash match. Although they you did use it for a vehicle to bring Luchasaurus back, which I thought was absolutely tremendous. Oh yeah, that was that was good. Uh, Darby Allen over Sean Spears, who just really is not connecting in AEW. I mentioned that on the the podcast last week. What a random three way that was. That was super random. So that's what I'm saying is it didn't really draw me in at all. Darby accepted. Um, Moxley's challenge at the end, which was cool. We can look forward to that next week. But yeah, I mean, and you know, how crazy is that match going to be? Because it's on TV, I don't think it can possibly match what we saw from Omega and Moxley in terms of the violence. Mm. But man, given (laughs) people who thought maybe A, and again, we're going to talk in great detail about that match in our topic of the week. But, you know, people who, you know, think AEW might. Turn the violence down, man. If they ever did Darby and Moxley on a pay per view, who we can you imagine the lengths they'll go? Yeah, for sure. Um, and they followed that up with Nyla Rose over Danny Jordan, which again was a squash match, nothing great. And then after that's when they went to MJF and Jericho, and then it's, I thought it started to pick up. Oh. But the first hour, I was like, oh man, this is really the AEW show I have to cover. <laughs> like, of 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 all the dynamite so far, I kind of felt like it was the weakest, but uh, it, it did get better in the second hour. Yeah. So squash matches, you know, while they may never win the quarter hour if you know if you're watching both shows like we do simultaneously your eyeballs may gravitate away from the show that's doing a squash match but squash matches are necessary sometimes to build up a talent you know it's not always just about winning that quarter hour Uh, i think sometimes the problem can be if the talent that's being put over you don't really care about them Mm -hmm. so but you know squash matches are a necessary part of wrestling um, in my opinion. Yeah, they, they serve a purpose. By the way, h- how many people on your Twitter timeline tweeted some form of thank God Darby won at the end of that triple threat? Because I had like 10 in a row that basically said that in one way or the another. I, I had some of that as well. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Like, and then a lot of hype about seeing Darby and, and Moxley next yeah, week. Yes, for sure. But yeah, you're you're right. Sean Spears ain't it, man. Yeah. Uh, guess who has just joined us? Mr. Justin Joint, now on the line. Justin, welcome to Top Rope Nation. Man, stupid technology. It's the worst. <laughs> Justin, to catch you up, um, we broke down CM Punk. We're now talking the Wednesday Night Wars and what we uh, saw tonight. Um, do you want to share anything real quick about what you thought of CM Punk? Because we had a pretty good discussion on that and, and his return. Are you looking forward to it? And uh, do you think he will be wrestling? Go ahead. No and no. Oh, wow. Party pooper. Just wow, enjoy that, <laughs> that was a real, a real, a real right turn from the previous conversation there. <laughs> Deep thoughts with Justin Joints. <laughs> I mean, like, from what I've read, his contract isn't with the WWE. It's with Fox. Um, Correct. He's never really indicated he wants to come back. My big question is, like, does he, is he actually going to watch the product? And even with that, that's kind of a weird time to come in when it's, you know, arguably at its creative low point, <laughs> you know, not including Wednesdays. I mean, that's, what, I, mean, that's what, I mean, well, I mean, that's I mean, yeah, I mean, while he's under a contract to Fox, I mean, he's being paid to watch WWE. Yeah. And I and I don't I have a hard time believing that this current product's going to inspire him to want to get back in the ring. 
Well, that's what Kyle was talking about is he's looking forward to punk, hopefully blasting creative <laughs> on this show. So we'll, we'll see, but uh, it could be entertaining. I mean, we both kind of agreed that it's going to give us a reason to tune into this show, which uh, maybe before we couldn't have said, although I did enjoy the two episodes they did as like the previews quite a bit, but then I just completely forgot it was on last night. Like I didn't, I didn't watch it live. Justin, we talked about when we found out about the punk appearance. Both of us found out this morning. I'm guessing for you, the same thing. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I just completely forgot it was on. But next week, I will be making a point to watch it pretty much solely because of punk. So, we shall see. And then we were talking about AEW and NXT and uh, who we thought won the week. I was mentioning I didn't really see much of NXT because I was covering AEW. How much of both shows did you see tonight, Justin? Well, as I've mentioned in previous weeks, I, I, you know, kind of alluding to why I haven't been able to get on until now tonight. Um, I'm not the most technological guy, so I, I flip back and forth between the shows and I just watch whichever one's more interesting. And I was definitely on NXT a lot more, especially in that first, uh, hour or so. Um, AW seemed to come around a little bit in the, uh, second half. Um, but I, I overall, I, I'd probably give it to NXT. I, the highlight for me was the Leo Russian Angel Garza match. That was phenomenal. You see, this is why we all host a podcast together because no, no, see, <laughs> pretty much funny. on the same page yeah, for say, the most part. It's funny because you know you couldn't have given a more different answer of, on the CM Punk topic, but you gave basically the exact same answer <laughs> that we gave on the Wednesday Night Wars. Yeah, where we're, we were right with you there. Do, do you think, Justin, that between you know, I, I, they did play down the invasion stuff, obviously, with so many main roster folks over in Europe. But between like War Games and Survivor Series, do you feel almost like there's too much going on with the NXT brand in that it's like all these people angling to get on all these teams and you just kind of need a scorecard? Yeah, I was I, I was actually pretty thoroughly confused as to uh what the war game teams are and what the okay. survivor series teams are um and there was probably about 10 minutes there where i i was pretty certain that the finn balor and matt riddle match was going to take place at survivor series so yeah there, there there's a lot of moving parts that's yeah. sure okay and we should talk about that just i mean i guess if you don't want to be spoiled well tough shit but um, you're probably listening to the show because you want to hear our thoughts on a show you've already watched. So it is going to be they moved Riddle out of War Games because Gargano's hurt and he's going to work Balor, uh, you know, who is one of the worst promos in the business, by the way, oh, at, at NXT War Games. <laughs> and then now so much they, for being on the same page. <laughs> yeah. And then the babyface team. Uh, is now Tomasa Ciampa, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and Mystery Man against Undisputed Era. Hmm. And okay. it feels that, uh, um, you know, they've also set up w- with the women, the women's match that was set up too out of like nowhere. They they teased a Dakota Kai heel turn. This is the most WWE thing ever. They teased a Dakota Kyle Kai heel turn, which kind of made sense, but I didn't want to happen. And then it didn't happen. 
<laughs> you know, like it made like her being left off the babyface side gave a very legitimate storyline reason for her to turn heel. But I'm thinking about this. I'm like Dakota, why would you turn Dakota Kai heel? Like of all the people, <laughs> she you know, seems like the most obvious babyface. Yeah. Yes. So. She came out at the end, and people were expecting her, I think, to turn heel, and she didn't, which is kind of interesting. And uh, Kaylee Ray came out, the UK women's champion, and she is going to be part of the heel team with Baszler, Io Shirai, and Bianca Belair. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of moving parts right now in WWE land with all these teams and. I'm going to save my thoughts on this whole NXT invasion business for next week when we preview Survivor Series because for all that's going on, I feel that not much is going to come of it when Survivor Series is over. Hmm. Well, there's a reason for you folks to tune in next week. I think Kyle's going to unload on you. So. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to unload. Look forward to I that. Just, I, it's just, you know, I saw like in the last it's been two weeks has been on and during that time has been this NXT invasion. I've seen a lot of people, oh, my God, this is cool. And I'm just like, man, wake me when this means something after Survivor Series. Instead of it's just the imaginary gym teacher is just giving everyone shirts, and that's the team. (laughs) Because The sweaty jerseys that everyone's worn for 20 years. Because it's Survivor Series, and we just have to have teams (laughs) that are arbitrary. So I don't know. I mean, Survivor Series, maybe we can get into this at some point um, next week. Throughout its history, has been a fairly lazily booked show. Although in recent years, it's given us some really good matches. Stay tuned for that, folks. I was just going to say, stay tuned. End of this show, the Kyle Ross Deep Dive of the Week is going to be hitting some Survivor Oh, and it is the deepest and the broadest dive we've ever done. That is very true. Took out quite a bit of space here in my show notes. Yes, but uh, yeah, I I don't know. We'll talk about that next week, my thoughts on the NXT invasion and their whole um, part being part of Survivor Series. All right, well, I think this is a good time to transition to our topic of the week, gentlemen. So let's do that right now. Our topic of the week is rating wrestling matches in 2019. Kyle Ross, good discussion about this earlier today. You've got a lot of thoughts on what happened at Full Gear. Now, I I should say, for everyone that's wondering, who's a member of our, our Patreon page, because yeah, people subscribe to Patreon because we do the extra shows where we review the pay-per-views. We've done the AEW pay-per-views in the past, every WWE pay-per-view, NXT TakeOver. You can check them all out in the archives. We did not do an AEW Full Gear post show, and the reason for that is because I was actually out of town over the weekend, like way out of town, way down in New Orleans. So I did not see the show live, and since I produced the show, was not able to publish a post show. So that's why that one did not hit you this week. Don't think we're getting lazy or anything like that. Uh, it just was physically not possible to do. Unbeknownst to Justin and I, we were just talking into space the whole time. We thought that it was being recorded the entire time. And we're like, man, Ryan doesn't have any thoughts this week. Yeah, we're like, this on. is crazy. And then we're like, and, you know, two days ago, Justin, I'm like, you, I was like, what, whatever happened to those thoughts we had on full gear? I guess they just vanished into the ozone, man. So that's why there was not a Top Rope Nation Extra on Patreon for that. You will be getting Top Rope Nation Extra reviewing, recapping uh, Survivor Series and NXT TakeOver. So do look forward to that. But this is why we didn't talk Full Gear yet. We're going to tonight, Kyle, because uh, 
when we look at wrestling ratings in 2019, and we've all talked about wrestling ratings. We've talked about it on the show a little bit in the past. Sometimes we talk in our text thread amongst each other of how we would rate matches. It's always a big topic of discussion, but nobody's match ratings get more discussion than Mr. Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, and rightfully so. But uh, Dave's opinion apparently changed quite a bit when it comes to the uh, match that we saw at AEW Full Gear between Jon Moxley and Kenny Omega. And so I think, Kyle, I'm going to just let you take it away here because you've got some big-time thoughts, so go ahead. Okay, so... I don't know if his opinion changed because he was still very much reiterating he hated the match. But he kind of did this mea culpa on second viewing. Well, he's like, you know, it was actually a fantastic match, even though I hated it. Because the crowd was into it. And wow, is there a lot to unpack there. So I just want to back up for a second and just get everyone on the same page. We didn't do... The recap, I want to make it up to everybody here. I I think we're going to have a tremendous discussion here on the show tonight. So on the initial Wrestling Observer Radio after Full Gear, Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, for that matter, were both highly critical of the John Moxley, Kenny Omega main event. They both, quote, hated it, used the words excessive, too violent, they did too much, don't want to see a match like that again. That was the verbiage coming from Dave and Brian, you know, kind of in the immediate aftermath of Full Gear, okay? Mm -hmm. But, as I alluded to, several days later, Dave watched the match a second time by himself. Apparently, he was with several people when he watched it the first time, and they were kind of turned off by it. But he watches it a second time, and he says this. This is a direct quote from from the Wrestling Observer Radio. Quote, I hated the match. I did watch it again, and I still hate the match. But it was also a completely fantastic match. I have to admit that because what's the object of the match? It's to get over with a live audience. So there's a lot to unpack here. and I've got a lot of questions that I want to talk to you guys about. Number one, if you've seen it, what did you think about the match itself? Okay. Justin, have you seen it? Uh, Just highlights. I didn't actually get to watch the match, so I kind of hesitate to really give input on it. Mm-hmm. Um, similar for me I've seen the highlights I haven't seen the full show yet again because I was out of town but I've seen a lot of like you know the really brutal spots throughout and uh, yeah I was a little surprised they didn't use more gimmicked weapons and objects throughout the match I'm not one that really likes hardcore matches that much I think the only hardcore wrestling I ever looked forward to was like after I read Mick Foley's book and getting a hold of the King of the Death matches tape back in the tape trading days. But like outside of that, I never really looked forward to these types of matches. And those never lived up to the hype, did they? No, definitely not. Um I think we can have a good discussion on like what makes a four and five star match. Um this is just it's typically not my cup of tea. Um, so when I when I see those highlights, I do kind of cringe a little bit, and I would kind of I'd lend myself a little bit to the Dave Meltzer view on this. Um, it's not it's not what I look for out of wrestling at all. Uh, but since I haven't seen the full match, like start to finish, outside of the highlights, I can't really give it a rating okay. personally. So yeah, well, go ahead. Okay, John. that's actually the least important part of this discussion. Just so everyone knows, this match itself. I just wanted to throw it to you guys. It's funny because I do not have any strong feelings on the match. 
Like, I didn't hate it. I certainly didn't love it. I just... I thought the issues with this match were an issue we see a lot in 2019 wrestling. Uh, Matches, hardcore or otherwise. In the sense that they were trying to do too much, it was excessive, and you're like watching all this unfold. You're like, man, they're going balls out here. But you kind of aren't really caring. And like you maybe like you feel guilty about that, or you're just like, I don't know, you're looking at your phone while you're watching the match. You know, I talked about this with that Bucks Lucha Bros ladder match. Mm-hmm. Uh, at uh, All Out. You know, it's like, okay, here we go. They're going to get tipped over. Don't hurt yourself. Or if you want to talk about a non-hardcore environment, the Gargano Cole matches from earlier this year, where they're going boom, 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 and you're like, okay, yeah, this should be awesome, but why am I not feeling it? I I just feel like it was just a very 2019 match in the sense that they tried to own the moment by doing so much, yet I only cared about like half the things they were doing. Mm -hmm. And so in the end, the match just kind of winds up being average for me, despite its attempt to be so grandiose. I didn't think it was a failure. You know, I was not turned off by it. I was not horrified by it. I just, my emotional investment was nowhere where it should have been given all that they were doing. Is this and just a, like the law of diminishing a, returns? Like we've yes. seen this so many times. Yes, it, it, it's a very 2019 issue. Yeah, you know, with ladder matches. Um, you know, I think the hardcore matches really suffer from it. We kind of talked about, uh, in our hell, we didn't kind of, we really talked about it. As a matter of fact, in our Hell in a Cell Mount Rushmore discussion, people could check this out in the archives. With Taker Foley, it's such an iconic moment, but it raised the bar so high that. Really, every subsequent Hell in a Cell match kind of almost suffers from having to live up to that moment and ultimately failing. Right. So, and and Dave brought this up, and this was a very good point by Dave. You know, if, let's say down the line, AEW has this really heated feud and wants to do this crazy, insane brawl. Well, look at what Omega Moxley already did. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the bar, the bar's up. And I just, I don't think it was a, I think they could have worked a different match and I would have cared the same. They didn't, they didn't have to go all out because I just wasn't that emotionally invested in it. But what do we think about Meltzer doing this mea culpa of sorts? And specifically, this is where I think things get really interesting. Him citing crowd heat as the reason for the change in his opinion. Um, real quick before we did that, before we hit on that, I do want to say that with Moxley and Omega, like like I got into the law of diminishing returns, it just seems watching the highlights, it's like they didn't do anything we haven't seen before. And then you you bring it up Foley and Taker and King of the Ring. One of the reasons that match like was so legendary is because we had never seen anything like it before. Right, like we never had seen anyone go off the top of the cage. We'd seen the Brett Owen cage match at SummerSlam '94, but when Brett superplexed Owen, he was only like halfway up the cage. You know, so to see a guy 
actually come off the top of a Hell in a Cell, which was higher than the old Blue Bar Cage. That that was just like mind blowing at the time. And although these Omega Moxley spots are pretty crazy, like what was there anything there, Kyle, you've never seen before? I mean, they had like the netting of barbed wire that they did the suplex into or whatever off the ramp, but like we've seen guys going to barbed wire yeah, so I mean, many times. Sure. I mean, you know, I mean there was like one night stand oh six, right? The what was it? It was Edge and Foley against Funk and Dreamer. Mm-hmm. That had like some pretty sick barbed wire spots in it. You know, that's funny. So let's double back. Fuck it that I asked that question. Well, I want to get to that because that is a good question. But I did. Oh, I thought of no, that when no, you were talking I, about I do Foley go to and it, Taker. I think yeah. this is really funny. And then I want to hear because it doesn't matter if you watch this match. And I'll throw this to Justin then. You know, it's funny that. You know, Meltzer was talking about how that Bucks Lucha Bros ladder match was better than TLC. He like goes back. He's like, "Oh, I can't believe I gave these old ladder matches um, these high ratings." When you know now the risk taking is what it is. I have the complete opposite view of that in the sense, and, and this dawned on me when you're talking about Taker Foley and why you know the whole thing of we hadn't seen this before. There's a reason we all remember the first matches of something and struggle to remember some of these subsequent matches, gimmick matches that you that have maybe crazier bumps sometimes. I'm no, no one's out crazy the Foley bump, for sure. But like there have been crazier bumps and ladder matches, for sure, than what we saw uh, at WrestleMania 10 between Sean and Razor. But what's the ladder match that everyone remembers? Sean and Razor. Yeah. And TLC, too. Like, TLC was when I thought the bar got raised. TLC was to ladder matches what Foley was to Hell in a Cell. When you you hit a peak when it's like, okay, what is next? Right. I I, I didn't know if Justin had a thought on that. Like, you know, the, the whole thing of, you know... It doesn't matter that bumps are crazier now. You've kind of seen stuff close enough to it where you're desensitized. And it's not about what the – to me, it's about being first, not doing a bump that might be slightly crazier. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess my thoughts on it would be – I think you guys are both right that having – seen stuff before definitely takes away from you know kind of seeing it again but i think even more than that what would hurt this match is you know the lack of story behind it like it doesn't really feel like all that violence was warranted from you know what had led into the match um you know if kind of like what kyle was saying you know if this happened Six months from now with, you know, a really hot feud, would you have a different opinion on the match if it played out exactly the same? Or is it just our, um, you know, our weariness with, and I hate to sound like the old guy, but like spot fests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Okay. Do you want to get into crowd heat right now? Because I, I, I have like, a, yeah, just let's, so let's, many let's, ways. So this, this is. This was fascinating to me that Meltzer used crowd heat as the reason for the change in opinion. I'm not saying he's wrong. You know, if a match is over with the live audience, that matters. Do we all agree about that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. 
But to what extent should crowd heat play in determining the success of a pro wrestling match or, you know, how you rate it? Is it an overrated, underrated element when rating a match? There are, there are matches where crowd heat absolutely makes a match, right? The, we all yeah. know the obvious examples. Uh, we talked about earlier, Punk Cena in Chicago. Mm-hmm. That was a match where the crowd made the match. If that match had taken place anywhere else, it would not have been as good. Uh, the Canadian Stampede match. Mm-hmm. That match, had it taken place anywhere else, would not have been as good. But there are problems with using crowd heat as a primary determining factor, right? Because I'm looking at Dave Meltzer's ratings for 1980s WWF, and they don't reflect crowd heat whatsoever. <laughs> I I can think of three matches in particular where like I felt the crowd heat push the rating up for like my own personal rating, and it's the two you mentioned and probably Hogan Rock at WrestleMania. But you make a good point because a lot of Dave's like highest rated matches have happened in Japan where the crowds are way more subdued. Right? Yes. And like you know, okay, so I, I saw somebody make. I was watching a Twitter discussion unfold while I was eating a meatball sub at Subway. I'll be very blunt with you, okay? <laughs> and I became fascinated by this. And somebody jumped in. It's like, oh, so I guess if Dave's gonna change, you know, if Dave is gonna change his view on Mox the Omega, I guess Hogan Andre is not negative four stars anymore. Mm. And I thought that was a great point. Now, the idea that that match is negative four stars is silly. Stop it. Okay, it's not a good technical match, but all of the they did most of their work before they hit the ring and didn't need to do a lot more. Mm. It is not a great it's not a like high end match. It can't the, the the work in the ring is, is bad. I mean Andre the Giant, my God, was in such horrid shape in that match. The man could hardly walk. Yeah. But it got over in front of the live crowd. And there were lots of Hulk Hogan matches that got over in front of the live crowd and melted it like those. So I just think that it's very interesting what he chooses to, you know, say, oh, well, it was over with the crowd, so it must be a fantastic match. Because there's lots of matches that have been over with the audience. And uh, we shouldn't just throw this on Meltzer, that people all across the Internet, you know, in the past have been like, well, you know, this was for the rubes, you know, the, the people liked it, but it wasn't really that good. <laughs> you know, and for the record, that they're not wrong sometimes to say that. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to point out the contradictory nature of using crowd heat as his primary determining factor for rating a wrestling match. Yeah. Like, so what do you, for your own personal ratings, and we're going to get into uh, your Survivor Series list here in the deep dive in a little bit. What kind of factors do you guys factor in? I, I I don't know how how deep Justin gets into like rating his own personal matches and stuff, but I know I know you do this, Kyle, and I've done it in the past and on different websites, whether it was Top Rope Press when we were running that, or or uh, way back when when I was writing on WrestleView.com. I, I would try to rate matches, and for me, it's kind of like it's hard to explain. I just kind of like watch a match. And I just have like a gut feeling about it. But I do factor in crowd heat a little bit, but it's not the determining factor for me. No, I mean, I have watched matches that got 
no heat whatsoever. And in similar, there have been matches that a lot of people have liked, and this is something we'll talk about in a little bit, that I just wasn't as high on it. I, the crowd, I was like, I, I don't get it. Like, this isn't me. You know, a, a good reviewer, I think, is able to articulate why he thinks a match worked or didn't. And, and, and you know, an issue with reviewing nowadays in 2019 is I think people are in a rush to agree. Yeah, that's the social media. Yeah, effect. because you know, what you read on Twitter is going to impact your, yeah, your rating so, maybe. So I remember when I first got on the internet, maybe we all do, you know, one of the first things I remember thinking was like really cool was there were certain matches that I liked as a kid. And I would go online. And I would read that like all these other people really liked them too. And it wasn't like the famous, you know, like, I mean, Savage Steamboat for an example, it's just an easy example. Mm. Right. I, you know, growing up, it was like my favorite match as a kid and like, you know, seeing that rated so highly, you know, to me, I think there's a lot of, there's something to the fact that people all independently came up to, to that opinion. Whereas yeah. opposed, it wasn't like we were all watching it together. There was Twitter, you know, the tastemakers said they liked it and everyone fell in line. Yeah, true. So I, I think there's something to that. As far as how I rate a match, I, I look at a lot of things. Um, I look at what a match, and this is hard to quantify, but I kind of decide what a match should be and where it measured up in relation to that. Yeah. I'd agree with you know, that. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think for most matches that I watch, not all, there's a point to the match. And it's, you know, did it get there? Um, you know, I'm trying to think of like an example of like a match where, you know, they absolutely told the all right, Steve Austin versus Dude Love is a match that I love probably most people like that match from Over the Edge ninety eight. I like it more than I don't think it's like a five star match. Mm-hmm. Because I think it absolutely told the most perfect story possible in there. That there was no loose ends. It was the the crowd heat was there. So that's like the main thing I look for. Right, but yes, I do factor in crowd heat. If the crowd's not that into it, it's not going to be a five star match, probably. Uh, by the way, here's another example to throw not to pick on Dave, but I will. I think he gives, if people can look this up, call me out if I'm wrong, I think he gives that Chris Redacted Dean Malenko match from Hog Wild 96 four stars. There, That match was shit on by the live audience, if you remember. The bikers booed the hell out of it when it went to overtime. They're like, <laughs> please get these two small guys we don't know out of the ring. And uh, Four and a quarter. Yep, pretty close. Okay, so... And here's the thing. I'm not saying Dave's star rating's far off for that match. I'm saying sometimes you got to look through the crowd. And and I just kind of like think that maybe Dave was just too harsh the first time on that match. I, I actually think he was. I'm very interested to see what he winds up rating the match. I think it's going to be too high, and we can laugh at him. Um, you know, similar to that last Cole. Remember when we did that post game, Ryan, for the third Cole Gargano match? And we're like, you know, how intellectually dishonest is it? For us to shit on this match, you know, rip on this match for like 10 minutes and say, well, it's still four stars, though. <laughs> and that's exactly what Meltzer did. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, I don't know. That, that's where I'm at. Like, no. Yeah, I agree. For me, it's crowd heat. It's the psychology of the match. It's how much I was anticipating it. It's uh, the crispness yes. of the moves. It's, you know, I, yeah, I do subtract a little bit if there's a bunch of botches in the match. But, uh, yeah, it's just like an overall feel you get. You can factor in a well, lot of just, things. Just the storytelling. I mean, remember, yeah. I mean, again, not to be Bruce Pritchard here, but like wrestler, these matches are supposed to tell a story. Does the match tell the proper story? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because I just watched for the deep dive the, the Ronda Rousey Charlotte match from last year at Survivor mm-hmm. Series. Watching that a year with a year of hindsight, wow, was there like a lot to sort of scratch your head on storyline wise? Because the match seemed to get Charlotte over as a baby face, yet we know that she was like the main heel going into the WrestleMania match. Mm hmm. So I'm not sure what to think about the storytelling of that at all. I thought, you know, as far as the work, I thought it was actually top notch and it was like a came across as a really good fight. But there's a lot. I, I, there's not one thing. I talk about this all the time. And and there's a lot of modern wrestling that's guilty of it. It tries checking these predisposed boxes, these elements that everyone likes, right? Yeah. Oh, you know, you got to kick out of finishers. Oh, you got to do this. And I just don't. You know, to for me, not all great wrestling matches are the same. You know, yeah, there, I agree. There, We've talked there, about there, that on the show in the past. Like to have multiple, like one style that you like yeah, the most. There's yeah. there's multiple ways to get to greatness. And I'm mm-hmm. gonna, you know, for the deep dive, I'm gonna highlight two matches. Couldn't be more different. I gave them the same star rating. To reiterate this point, to kind of reiterate this point. So let's bring in Justin here because Justin, when we first got to know each other, um, we were working at a retail store and we used to just kind of sit around because the store was slow all the time and have discussions much like this where we'd bring out the pad and paper and we'd talk about our favorite matches, our favorite tag teams, our favorite wrestlers. And so like for you, when you were, you were ranking your favorite matches, what are the aspects of the matches that you look at if you were to give them a ranking or a, a rating? Um, it's kind of the same as with you where it's more of just a feeling like what does it, does it make me feel something? Is it, you know, is there some emotion involved and, you know, yeah, I want to see, you know, good quality, you know, I don't want to see a lot of botches. Um, along with Kyle, you know, does, does the story make sense? Um, it's kind of all of those things. And, you know, for me, the the crowd can add a lot to that. It's like, you know, if you have a fantastic dinner and you're all by yourself, you know, that might, you know, great. You're eating great, but you're lonely. But if you have, you know, good We've company. We've all been there. <laughs> We've all had Taco John's. Um, <laughs> but if you have this fantastic dinner with great company, that makes that dinner more memorable. <laughs> Justin's referring to every meal that we've ever enjoyed together right there. <laughs> that's right. That's wondering. right. <laughs> you know, for, for me, like I, I don't remember a lot of the, the actual match between the rock and Hogan, you know, it's not something I'd ever go back to. Cause I, I need to see that match. It's, it's for the crowd response. You know, if, if that match had taken place, you know, in on raw in green Bay, Wisconsin to a dead crowd, it's forgotten, you know, um, See, yeah, the crowd can. I think it can really add a lot to a mediocre match. But, but 
you, is sometimes, first of all, I didn't think the crowd was that great for the main event, the Omega Moxley match, personally. And how much, like, the whole, like, this is awesome thing that you get, like, I feel a lot of heat isn't really, like, you know, quote unquote, oh, it was over with the audience. Sometimes I question how over it was, and it's just like the crowd just kind of behaving like Pavlov's dogs. Mm-hmm. That's another thing, too, so um, that I just wanted to bring up. Pavlov's dogs? Yes. Yeah, it's, it is it is it is just like everyone following the crowd, I think, in a lot of cases. Like, oh, that section's chanting, this is awesome, so we're going to join in. Like, do you mm-hmm. really think it's awesome? Yeah, it's... I think like, there's a lot to that too. It's there is nothing more hollow than this is awesome in 2019. Like oh, it yeah, means it's nothing. It, out. Way I almost like out. I almost like eye roll now. It's like okay, well I guess you know matches at least three stars if the crowd gives it. This is awesome <laughs> chant, but um, yeah, I, I just I think you know crowd heat it can make a match, but I think you know if you don't like a match, you should not be afraid to say I don't like this match. Now you shouldn't be a fucking troll about it. Because if you're being a troll, then that's not merit. But if you can articulate why you don't like, and this is going to lead me to my final question on this subject, but if you can articulate why you don't like a match that maybe the consensus does, then that's fine. That's the point of being a, you know, of rating wrestling matches is to have to introduce some independent thought into the discussion. If you're just going to like parrot what anyone else says, who the hell gives a shit? Mm-hmm. To be blunt, I mean, the only reviewer I even really care about that much anymore is TJ Hawk. At least he, you know, I don't always agree with them, but at least he gives you a unique take. And he can articulate what he likes and what he doesn't, and he does it very well. I'm not sure if I'm even familiar with him. Well, I'll have to maybe introduce you to him. Yes, you will. Um, yeah, your next question on the list here was what matches do you not like as much as, like, the general audience? And... For me, like the ones that I went to right away, are are some New Japan matches, which I do like New Japan. I've I've been very high on New Japan in the past on this show, uh, specifically before AEW started. But I felt like some of those Omega Okada matches were like just way too long. And this has been this has been a general theme that we've talked about on the show in the past of how long do matches need to be and can you have a great match in less than 20 minutes and not everything needs to be an hour or 50 minutes long. And I felt like in that series of matches those guys had, some of them were just too long for me to get into. And I, I saw people raving about them on Twitter. And then like when I went to watch them, you know, hours later, cause I can't stay up till four or five o'clock in the morning anymore. I, I've kind of, just felt a little left out. I think I talked about in the past that I liked their match at the G1. That's yes. like the most, and it was the shortest match, but I thought it was the best match because it was it was compact. They got everything in they needed to. It was just it was just a lot more exciting to me. So to me, when you you pose this question in our show notes, Kyle, it was it was the New Japan Omega Okada series. Personally, um, is there one that either you can point to as, as or like a series of matches that you weren't as high on as as the general public? Um, I'm I'm with you right there with the Omega Okada matches, and then also, and this is you know a horrible take, but it's just me personally and how I consume wrestling is a lot of the NWA, uh, you know, a lot of the Southern wrestling, uh, WCW. 
late to mid eighties stuff that I watched long after it happened. I, I don't really have a strong connection to. You know what's interesting about that, and I was going to bring this up, and that reminded me, is when we were talking about like the style changes and how we've seen everything today and all that, it's amazing how like when you look at those 80s matches to the, maybe the late 90s, or at least the mid-90s, how crazy different wrestling was, and you just hit on that with how they were kind of boring to go back and watch, but if you watch a match you know, today to 20 years ago, it's not, it's not so much of a change. And I think that leads itself to the, we've seen everything kind of thing. Uh, well, I, you know, with that whole thing, which I'll say, I think there is a, you don't want to say generational, that might be too broad, but like, I think there's like an, it's an age thing. Like if you didn't live through something, it is hard to have an emotional connection. Now, the interesting thing is I'm very much living through the present, right? And I find myself never has there been a time when I've watched in 33 years of watching wrestling where I felt less emotionally invested into the majority of matches than I do in 2019. Yeah. Like, it's funny, like, you know, you, you talk about, you know, stuff that happened in the 80s. They're doing, you know, it's probably got one tenth the athleticism, but I'm 10 times as emotionally invested. That's true in, in some circumstances, for yeah, that, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, I'll bring up a I'll throw one in, too, that we've actually referenced on the show. I referenced it. I talked about this on our Patreon show when we recap Backlash Show 2. Ryan, I think you know where I'm going, the Hogan Rock match mm-hmm. in WrestleMania 18. I talked about it uh, in detail on our Patreon. I did not like that match at all when it happened. I was actually actively getting angry during <laughs> You were pacing? Because uh, <laughs> I wasn't pacing. I was stomping my foot, though, I think. Because I, I don't like. I've said it before on this program, and I'll say it a thousand more times. I don't like Hulk Hogan, and I the idea of him and his career being redeemed pissed me off a lot at the time. <laughs> uh, kind of still does actually, as I talk about it right now. But you know, I think I watched the match a couple of years ago, and I was like, yeah, I see why people care about this. It's not a terrible match. It's not a great match. Well, ironically, as we learned on this program two weeks ago, your uh, E-Fed character was Hulk Hogan, Kyle. It was. Well, because, yeah, it was very, yes, yes. Because <laughs> it was so easy to do. Yes. But, um, you know, I just, the Hogan aping Rock's heat. I, I felt, like, terrible for the Rock while watching that match live, to be honest with you. But whatever, the crowd, you know, it was fine. It was a good story. The Rock didn't really do much after that anyway. But so so that's a match. I think a famous match that I don't as, enjoy as much as most people. Um, yeah, yeah. I, and I hate to be like sound like a grandpa, but there's just a lot of matches in 2019 that I see getting high praise that, you know, like these high ratings. I'm like, pump your brakes, man. <laughs> I mean, I, there's just, you know, all these matches I see getting five stars or five plus i'm like what are we doing do you You feel that psychology is being lost that it's just given five stars to spot fest all the time no i think it goes back to we're going to do things you know it used to be that the wrestlers controlled the audience i feel now that there's a growing sense of it's the audience controlling how the wrestlers perform which I actually think is bad. Mm, interesting. I, I, it makes me think of this Mick Foley promo that he cut in his tremendous run in 1995, where he said, I'll be goddamned if I'm going to let a bunch of people call my matches. 
That is a great line. God, <laughs> Mick, God, Mick, nineteen ninety five. Mick Foley turns me on. <laughs> this is putting you guys on the spot, but what's your favorite WWE match in the past three years? Oh God! Wow, it's main roster or NXT? Main roster. Okay, so mm. so we're going two thousand seventeen to the present. Yes. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would like, that's, that's the crazy thing is like, there's, it's just hard to even like think of the matches to me at this point. Um, I, I think some of them that are most memorable for me, it's not even just like the match quality. It's like the emotion going in, you know, like Brian and Kofi is, is one that stands out. Yeah, just because it was it's such a real feeling that, going into that. That was probably my favorite main roster match this year. Mm-hmm. I get it. Um, so we're kind of we're kind of going back towards WrestleMania 33. So you know the the Brian versus Brock. God, you hate to give Brock this kind of credit, and the <laughs> AJ versus Brock matches at Survivor Series. Those are good, even though, like, I kind of, there was, like, this overwhelming feeling of, you know, my guy's not going to win, and this doesn't mean anything, except it's just going to make him the number two world champion. Mm-hmm. Um, Those were up there. I'm trying to think what else would. C- Cena Styles from Royal Rumble 2017. Okay. Mm, that, yeah, that, would, that, that would be on those. That was very good. That was very good. Again, though, you know, I don't know if I was that. Yeah, I was pretty emotionally invested watching that live. The four way from SummerSlam 2017 was pretty good. Brock, Braun, Roman, Joe. Hmm. Um. I'm trying to think about 2018. God, there's gonna be something that I I want to like. I'm trying to like bust. Mm. So I'm trying to find. I'm searching my computer for lists right I'm thinking now. Thinking like Brock and Brian at Survivor Series. Yeah, that for was. Yeah, that, I bet you yeah, that was. That yeah, was a that, really, for me. That's like the highlight, maybe for a, 2018. But yeah, like as far as like main roster, because like yeah, it would be. Yeah, those are pretty. That pretty much covers it. You know, I'll be honest with you, and you guys aren't going to like to hear this, but I don't give a damn. Quite frankly, we were in the build. We were all in the building. The Triple H Stephanie versus Kurt Angle Ronda Rousey match. You talk about crowd heat making a match. Let's be objective. That was a very entertaining match. I I was in that crowd and I was definitely out of my seat hollering. I, I had a great time during that match. Easily my favorite match of that show. Yeah. yeah. Like that was a really good match. That told a great story. Southern tag team technician Stephanie McMahon at her finest. Mm-hmm. Do you have a an answer for this one, Justin? Uh, no, I don't think so. I just I was kind of <laughs> curious to hear your guys' take on it. Um, yeah, I just continuing to think on it. It's it's tough the way matches seem to like blur together as you get. And, I mean, it's probably well, just as you get older. But there's like, just more matches too. Like it used to be, you know, when you're younger, you would there would be those two or three clear WWE well, TV matches. was all squash you'd, matches. Yeah. You'd consider it was, it was just the picks were kind of obvious, right? Yeah. Like now I just feel because there's so much wrestling out there to consume. 
the general consensus doesn't necessarily exist. And there's also just so much. It depends on how much you've watched. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it, and, does, it, does, it doesn't have a lifespan anymore just because it's getting replaced, you know, within a week. Yes. Yes. And to me, matches that you remember matter. If you're if you don't remember it, I I think it shouldn't be that high on your list. Yeah. You it's know, just, I, like, it's just crazy because if you, if you pose this question, Justin, you're like, hey, just out of nowhere, putting you on the spot. What's your favorite match in 1996 or 97 or 94? Like I could come up with a list instantly. Yes. Yes. You know. There there would be no eye. Yeah. <laughs> at all. Yeah. So different eras, different times, and yeah. a different way we look at and, matches. For and sure. let's just be honest. Okay. <laughs> I can't remember the last year a WWE main roster match would have been a match of the year consideration. <laughs> True. I mean, seriously, when I mean you probably gotta go back four or five years, maybe. Yeah. 14, I mean, what, 15, probably. Yeah, what, what, I mean, when, what was the last time a WWE main roster match was something you considered to be the match of the year? How about that for a question? Mm. God, I have to sit on that one for a while. <laughs> I know I know. when we were doing, we used to do on Top Rope Press the, the yearly awards, and NXT was always dominating. Or yeah, it was NXT in New Japan, mm-hmm. basically, and and you know there's just other places too. You know, I mean, Cena Punk in 2011. I no, I've got the answer, but I need your guys' help. Okay, what, what was Dolph Ziggler, Ziggler's last match? Oh, stop <laughs> it! My bad. Uh, stop it! Oh God! <laughs> so, any final comments on? Uh, on the way wrestling matches are rated on or in 2019 Kyle before we go to the deep dive no I don't I think I think we've hit it I think it was a good discussion it was everything I wanted and more good topic Kyle you threw that one out this morning I think that was very very good Mm -hmm. so all right Kyle well you've been doing a series of deep dives so let's clue us in on this I think it's time for the Kyle Ross the return of the Kyle Ross I love this sport deep dive of the week take it away if uh bill gates will allow it hopefully justin can pull this list up i sent over um you know so i i've been working on my top 30 survivor series matches of all time we talked about this two weeks ago on the show uh ryan and you know we, we were referencing some matches i the the first one i alluded to was the cody rhodes gold dust and the usos against Rey mysterio or pardon me cody gust Cody Rhodes, Cody Dust, Cody Rhodes, Gold Dust, the <laughs> Usos, and Rey Mysterio against the Real American of the Shield. A match that comes in at number 26, to be exact, uh, on my list. And by the way, if you're a patron, you're going to get this complete list published to you. Yes, uh, we're only I will talk be about, linking this. Correct. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're only going to talk about a few of the matches here. Um, but I've been going through it. Um, I've got 30 through f- number 16 sent over to the two of you. I did that this afternoon uh, covering the fourth of the big four pay-per-views the WWE has to offer. And I think what's interesting about Survivor Series and doing this, um, of the, while Survivor Series is my least favorite of the big four, and I think everybody would have that opinion, it was the most interesting to do this project for. Because, like, WrestleMania, like, the first, like, eight or ten just roll right off the tongue, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same for SummerSlam. Rumble has its obvious options. 
But Survivor Series, okay, we're all going to agree on number one. And spoiler, when we get to that next week, my number one is going to be the probably your number one. But after that, it's pretty interesting. And you're, and you're also getting into, and this is more fun with rating. You're rating these elimination matches against some of the singles matches that occurred. So I, I thought it made for a really, really interesting list. If you're a patron, you'll get all 30 matches on the list. Um, I don't know if you guys have it up right now. I do. Okay. Is there any match in particular? Well, in particular, that caught your eye. Um, Let me just say this: this this Google Doc will be linked on our Patreon page, so patrons will have access. Kyle's done a tremendous job ranking these. He's got the matches listed. He's got a description of every match. If you want to check it out, I mentioned earlier on the show, Patreon.com/slash Top Rope Nation. But as far as ones that surprised me, um. Some of these I haven't seen in so long. I was a little surprised that the the ninety two tag team match was on there. You were at the show, really? I yeah, thought you like, might be surprised really, that it was so low. Okay, yeah. No, I I guess I just don't have like big memories of that match. I mostly remember that show for the the Michaels Hart match, really? like the first high profile singles. It's match. It's funny because that was the 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 Savage Perfect versus Flair Ramon was the main event. Was the yeah. build main event, not Brett and Sean because they were mm-hmm. changing titles going in. I was, you know, I say it in my notes, I was a huge bark for Perfect's Babyface turn. Maybe I am a little high on this. Um, the the ending is pretty shitty, quite frankly. But, man, there's some great heat between Perfect and Flair at the start of that match. Yeah, I need to go back and watch. It's been a long time since I've watched that match. But and, and I was Bobby, a little surprised that that made your top 30. Okay. And, and Bobby Heenan on commentary helps a lot, too. Obviously, he was a kind of a player in that whole storyline. So... These matches would all be rated like three and a half, three and three quarters. Just mm-hmm. maybe the top ones would be four, probably just for a frame of reference. But the ones that I wanted to, unless if Justin had some sort of commentary that. Um, I, I love number 30. That's probably my favorite Survivor Series pay-per-view. Really? See, there are some people like that. That's. For- that uh- for the record, that's all nostalgia. I mean, that just hit me right in the spots. Okay. So, for the record, number 30 is the Dream Team, which was Dusty, Coco, and the Hearts against the Million Dollar Team, which was Ted DiBiase, Mystery Partner, turns out to be The Undertaker, making his debut, and Rhythm and Blues. This does not sound like a tremendous uh, work rate classic on paper, but I wanted to include an old-school four-on-four elimination match in the spot. And, you know... It's funny that Justin said that that's like his favorite Survivor Series because I know people who love the era where it was four-on-four matches. And I wasn't as big when they went to four-on-four because I thought they were they were just shorter and they also got lazily booked. But this one was great with the Taker debut and a, and a strong performance from Brett while he was still a member of the Hart Foundation. And uh, Taker almost taking his gimmick a little too literally and killing Coco Beware. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes. Bless Coco. Bless Coco's soul. But uh, yeah, so the, yeah, I, I really wanted one of those four on four matches on there. And, you know, th- that's a good one. So but the matches I wanted to draw people's attention to on this list, we talk about rating matches and how things can be different and end up at the same rating as matches 20 and 21 on this list. And again, if you're a patron, you get the full list. But number 21, you talk about surprises on this list. OK, how about these names? Making a best of list. 
It's the main event of the 87 show, the first ever Survivor Series, which I was not at, despite it was the fact that it was at Richfield Coliseum. My parents would not let me go on Thanksgiving night, which really pissed me off. Oh, Mr. Ross. What were you thinking? You should have taken your son to this show. Yeah, but uh, it was Hulk Hogan, Bam Bam Bigelow, Don Morocco, Ken Patera, and Paul Orndorff against Andre the Giant, One Man Gang, King Kong Bundy, Butch Reed, and Rick Rude. I mean, those. I mean, the Morocco Patera Orndorff triumvirate was about as hideous as it got for 1987 baby cases. <laughs> Yet, this was a deliberate inclusion because we're going to talk about Survivor Series next week, right? Mm-hmm. And what do any of these elimination matches ever mean? Usually, not a damn thing, right? Right. But this match is proof positive that if you do it right. You have attention to details, and you have the right angle. Elimination matches, by God, can be a draw. Now, you're not going to have something like Hogan Andre fall in your lap every year. But, you know, this was just an excellent way to set up the title change in February of 88. And again, this match has crowd heat. And Meltzer, by the way, actually gives us a fairly kind rating, I think. I think he gives it over three stars, Um, which, you know given the names in here and what Meltzer thought of this time period of WWF is, is actually fairly high by his standard. I can only assume that Bam Bam and Rude wrestled the majority of this match. Uh, so Bam Bam ca- carry it. So it, it's really interesting if you've never seen it. Hogan actually goes out fairly early or like towards the middle. I shouldn't say early. Is it gone early? But he is not the last babyface remaining. It comes down to Bigelow, who was red hot at the time against he had just kind of come into the promotion they'd done the whole gimmick where every manager wanted him he spurned him it's him against andre gang and bundy and he does the baby face comeback you know one against three eventually succumbs to andre but it's a really fun match you talk about the nostalgia factor it's there but juxtapose that with the next match on my list the underdogs versus the body donnas from 1995 (laughs) A match that could not be more different in terms of star power, lower, yet uh, the work rate significantly higher. But we wind up with similar ratings. You know, it just goes to show there's not one way to get to the same rating. You Mm -hmm. know, these guys work their ass off. I mean, Barry Horowitz was not a bad storyline in 1995, for the record. Like this career jobber winning a match. I know some people were pissed because it was at Chris Candido's expense, but that was not a terrible storyline at all. And you had like these eight guys, you know, kind of straight out of the you know gimmick bin working their ass off to open the 95 show. Um, and it's really good. Rad Radford, Luis Piccoli. Bless his soul. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't seen that ha- name in a while. Hakushi yeah. was really over this match and seriously underpushed as a baby face. Mm hmm. Well, guys, if you want to hear a little bit more about those early Survivor Series, I I just thought of this, Kyle, because you're talking Mm -hmm. about the 87 show. We actually recapped that show, as well as Survivor Series 88 and 89. Go way back in the Top Rope Nation archives. Go back to November of 2016, episode 13 of this podcast. Kyle and I did a deep dive on the first three Survivor Series events and just the history of the pay-per-view itself and why it started. It's a really, really good listen. And uh, I think you guys would enjoy it if you've never heard it. So coming up on Survivor Series 
season, I think uh, that's a good excuse to go back and check out one of our old shows. Do you have any fond memories of that one, Kyle? Yeah, I remember that we <laughs> did the first few and then never really followed up on it. <laughs> we were going to do like every show, and yeah. we ended up only doing that one. But honestly, it was one of my favorite shows we that had was, done. And uh, I remember thinking it was really long at the time. I'm looking at the timestamp, two hours and 15 minutes. We've exceeded that several times since then. Yeah. But at I that, think that point, was... all of our shows were way less than that. Yeah, you know, it was funny. I think that was the show that Ryan Drossi learned. My God, Kyle Ross can talk for 30 minutes about a fucking <laughs> Rick Rude, Jake Roberts feud from 30 years ago. That was when we used to record like in the late afternoon, early evening. And I remember we were recording and my wife was like yelling dinner was ready from upstairs. I'm like, well, I'm not quite done yet here. You're, <laughs> we honey, on and on. honey, honey, this asshole's talking about how Jake Roberts is getting the crowd behind him <laughs> down four on one. Check it out, guys. I want to see in my in my stats here on Podbean when I see our most downloaded episodes this month. I want to see a spike for episode 13 from November of 2016, I'm guys. A little surprised either of you mentioned number 19 making the list. Number 19. Let me look here. I was actually going to ask about that. Oh. Um, but you guys oh, were talking the screw job. Yeah. You know, I, I did always kind of like the match. Obviously, the finish, not so much. But I liked how they brawled all over the arena. Yes. Like the start. Yeah. What, yep. a man, what a man Shawn Michaels is for going to that crowd. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's something to be said for that, for sure. But, by the way, by the way, look at number 18. I have a little joke for you, too, in there. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I should reach out on that one and... and uh, and see what's going on there because we still have that one all ready to go. You guys aren't going to know what we're talking about unless yeah, you're maybe on the, the Patreon page. But. You can leave that in the notes for the patrons, but like they're going to be like, "What the fuck is that all about?" But yeah, no, I just put it's that kind in there of an inside YouTube. reference. But uh, number eighteen on the list, yes, I think we still got to make that happen. I'll look into that. But uh, that match too, I enjoyed that match. In fact, they recently recommended that match to somebody to go back and watch. So. Sid's best ever. Yeah, Sid and Michaels from Survivor Series '96. Yeah, and and the and the band of that MSG crowd want to see Sean lose that title. Oh yeah, and then there is another one where the crowd can help make a match. I thought that one the crowd pay, played kind of a role. In fact, when I was recommending that match to somebody, I mentioned because of the crowd specifically. Yeah. So, oh, there's probably something to be said about the crowd not reacting the way that was intended too. True. That's, that it just made it interesting. Had there. Yeah, An sure. interesting dynamic. Yeah. So, all right. That's a good deep dive, guys. You want to see the whole list? Check out our Patreon page. I'm going to throw the link up to it tonight. So, as patrons are listening to this episode this week, go over to Patreon, see Kyle's whole list, which he will be adding on to as we move forward. Yeah, next week, 15 through 1. Yeah. So it's 30 through 16 top Survivor Series matches of all time with rationale listed. So always a good read. Uh, Kyle, one of my favorite wrestling writers back in the days of Top Rope Press when I was running that website. One of my all-time greatest hires, and it led to this podcast. So always a pleasure, Kyle, to see you writing about wrestling again. Please keep showering me with praise. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm excited. I went from 6 to midnight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. All right. With that said, it's <laughs> incredible stuff. <laughs> any uh, any closing thoughts, guys? It's been great actually having all of us on the line again this week. After uh, you know, the last couple weeks was a little bit different, but we had some good guests on the show. It was enjoyable. But when we get the triumvirate back together, 
Always a good time talking pro grabs with you guys. Uh, Justin, we need to get together real soon. Go out for a drink or something. And Kyle, need to get you back to the great state of Iowa. Tell you what, as far as triumvirates, we're definitely more over than that Orndorf, Patera, uh, Morocco group. <laughs> Probably true. Probably true. I've Any done big less plans cocaine, for though. the weekend, guys? <laughs> <laughs> cocaine, hopefully not involved. <laughs> Kyle, what's we'll in the docket for this weekend? For a lot you. of football. A lot of football. We're 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 up. We're we're bunkering in. I I gave today to the squared circle, but it's back to the gridiron tomorrow and the rest of the weekend. Justin, what's the rest of your week look like? Uh, well, my cold came back, so probably just dealing with that. Oh, I could hear. Sound a little different. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just gonna be hanging low, probably uh, recouping from my trip last weekend and uh, taking it easy this weekend so but uh good time down in new orleans as always i know kyle you were just there recently and uh justin you're going soon it was my first time there since we all were there for wrestlemania and it did not disappoint oh god i almost forgot listener questions guys before we wrap it up um if you want to ask the show a question you want to get on the air shoot us an email topropenation at gmail.com and uh, I had one come in tonight, which I am going to read and get your thoughts on this real quick before we wrap it all up tonight. And the question comes in with listener, good friend of the pod, Greg, who says, with the new FS1 show, the WWE has moved onto a station that deals in legit non-worked sports. How does a company that produces 8 to 10 hours of predetermined sports entertainment present that product alongside actual sports and sports highlights on that channel and be looked at as legitimate? Or do they go the opposite route and try to bring about a new era of kayfabe where it's essentially Tuesday Night Titans 2K20 on FS1? How do you guys think they play this off, Kyle? They'll try to make it as legitimate as they can. Yeah. We've already said that. I mean, they, they want it to be. Yeah. We've seen with that dra- with those draft episodes, it almost was like them. Like they, they had clearly watched draft. They'd shown Vince drafts, but it was almost like they were making fun of drafts. This is not making fun of studio shows. It's just it's going to be the WWE's attempt at a studio show. And yes, there are limitations because you were talking about a scripted product but i mean there are shows dedicated I mean, there was like you know when they're like a show after breaking bad that mm-hmm. was dedicated to talking breaking bad and that's a scripted show mm-hmm. um i mean i think the fact that you have people employed by the company talking about it and how critical are they going to be that was an issue but they got cm punk so that issue hopefully is addressed yeah that it's just not a fluff show. Thoughts on this, Justin? I really don't appreciate the insinuation that wrestling isn't real. <laughs> to me, it's it's jarring a little bit when you watch that to see the bottom line going with like kayfabe wrestling news. Yes, I. You know, I kind of like it though. Yeah, I mean, it's different, but not something you're used to seeing. So jarring. Yeah. <laughs> so I agree. They'll they'll play it off legitimate but uh yeah the fs1 does not want tuesday night titans <laughs> you know, i you're want in for the night days titans. of tuesday night titans i want tuesday night titans i want gene okerlin flipping off morocco and fuji 
guess. Well, they're all half in the bag. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, with that being said, you can find us on social media. We are at Top Rope Nation. That's the Twitter handle. That's the Instagram handle. Search us on Facebook, Top Rope Nation. We are on Pro Wrestling Tees. If you want to support the show, find our merch over at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Top Rope Nation. We will be back with you next week previewing NXT TakeOver Survivor Series with episode 123. And until that time... Check out the archives. Check out episode 13 with the Survivor Series history from three years ago. I think you'll like it if you missed it at the time. And uh, we will see you all next week. Have a good weekend. Look in my eyes. What do you see? The